This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by McDelivery, bringing you the food you love. McDelivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with McDelivery. Order now on the McDonald's app. You can also get rewards points delivered too. So that ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. Only via app at participating restaurants, 18 plus, rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with Free for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. As football fans, we often pride ourselves on knowing everything, from which substitution can turn the game around to the quickest route home to beat the crowds. However, when it comes to discussing feelings with our friends, we might not always feel as confident. That's why we're here to equip you with the right tools so you can reach out to those who can help. If your mates are struggling, let them know that the Samaritans are free to call on 116123. That's 116123. They are there to listen without judgment or pressure. 24-7, 365 days of the year. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. Take care of your property with equipment you can count on, like the Kubota BX and L01 Series Compact Tractors, part of our under 100 horsepower tractor lineup, rated number one for reliability, and Z-Series mowers and sidekick utility vehicles, where durability meets speed. Visit your local Kubota dealer for a demo today. Go to KubotaUSA.com for full disclaimer. Visit GoKubota.com for a dealer near you. Drivers who switch and save with Progressive save over $700 on average, and those savings add up. Imagine what you could buy in the future. Hey, remember how 20 years ago I switched to Progressive? Well, now it's the future, and I used all those savings to buy this new hologram phone. Because, you know, it's the future, and everything is holograms now. So switch to Progressive and save big, because those savings can add up in the future. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National annual average insurance savings by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive in 2020. Potential savings will vary. And welcome again to Cottage Talk. I'm Russ Coleman. Joining me right now is Emilio Donnell and Max Cohen. This is our post-match show of Fulham's 2-0 victory against Hull City. I can't stand Hull City. I'll just share that one more time. At Craven Cottage, Emilio was there. Max and I watched it via our streams. We all have opinions on it. So let's not waste any time. Let's just get right to it. Emilio, I'm going to go to you first. I'm just going to ask you the simple question. Angry Emilio or happy Emilio? I have a feeling it's going to be the latter. Your yeah. opening thoughts on this 2-0 victory through your eyes. You were there. Yeah. Uh, hi, guys. Hi, Max. Always good to do the show with you. Um, so, um, yeah, obviously very happy. Can't complain. It's, you know, four games in. We're, you know, Marcus Silva's come in with, you know, obviously setting his stall out. You know, he's we're, we're scoring goals. We're playing good football. You know, some of our sort of fringe players, you could argue, players that we loaned out the last couple of seasons are now starting to get some game time. So there's a lot to lot to look forward to, to be honest. I think, it's, like I said, me being the ever the optimist plus cautious side of me as well as it's just it's four games in. Let's not get too carried away. All we can do is beat the opposition in front of you. Hull were poor. It will be at the first, I thought the first half hour was a very open game. You know, they were attacking us. They, they, they yes. took the game to Fulham at times and... You know, it was just quality that that made the difference at the end of the day. But overall, you know, we've got a lot to be happy about. I think we've obviously a few injuries, um, you know, which are slightly bothering me at the moment. But we'll, we'll talk right. about that during the show. But overall, no reason to be angry. I think there's a lot of optimism. You know, it's good to see fans happier. We haven't got all the negative that we got in the Middlesbrough game a fortnight ago. So people have long forgotten Middlesbrough. Now it's three consecutive wins. And it's it's uh, there is a lot to look forward to, but you know clearly it's a long it's a long season ahead. So all we can do is keep chipping away, keep getting the performances in, playing the players that we've got who are contracted to play at the club, and you know we will score goals. And that's 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 what that's been the pleasure this season. The fact yeah. that we're just scoring goals. I don't care we concede. I said it a couple of weeks ago. As long as we score more than we concede, I'm okay with. It. I just want to see some entertaining football, and we're seeing that at the moment. And the players all look all look up for it. That's what's okay. quite clear. You know, we'll look up for it. It's Kudy Mitrovic. If he's up for it, then Absolutely. you know there's there's something right in the dressing room there. Okay, right back to you before I get 
the thoughts of uh, Max, his opening thoughts. Would you call this a professional performance, meaning that it wasn't flashy, Emilio? And I'm glad that you mentioned this because you know how I feel about Hull City, but I have to give them credit. They they played with no fear. Yeah. They actually, again, they, they were attacking at times, and they looked like they came to win the match, not just get a draw. They, I, You know, again, I, I've seen reports that they were trying to play for a point. I didn't see that. I thought they were actually going for it, so I want to yeah. give them credit. But I thought Fulham handled it about as good as you could handle it. And it just was a professional job. It wasn't as flashy against Huddersfield Town and Millwall, but they got the job done. That's the bottom line. Yeah, it's true. And I think if you look at what they were trying to do, they were obviously trying to play on the break, you know, have their last man right on the halfway line. So they had a game plan. But at the end of the day, I, I don't think we did, you know, we, it wasn't our best performance of the season, weirdly. And I think the fact is we didn't have to play our best to beat Hull City. And that's encouraging as well. And we keep saying, don't play particularly well and win comfortably. That's 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 an encouraging sign, yeah. to be honest. But I didn't think you know, with moments, you know, we, we especially in the first half on the left, you know, Robinson had a lot of space, getting a lot of good crosses, looked very lively. But overall, you know, second half, I think we deliberately took our foot off the gas because we had injuries, didn't need to stretch ourselves. We dominated the second half without really looking too dangerous. We didn't have to get out of second gear. So why why exert yourself? Why risk more injuries? So I think there was a game plan at half time there saying, look. Take the foot off the gas, keep possession, and try to make something happen. But don't go killing yourselves for the sake of getting a third or a fourth goal, which is why it was only a two-goal margin. It could have been a lot more if we didn't have any injuries. That's a very good point there. Mel, okay, over to you, Max. Before I do, I'm just going to share a couple of comments. Please keep your comments coming. We have someone listening, watching from Spain, so thank you for sharing. And this is actually... Actually, uh, to go off on what Tony said, Hull never gave up. Otherwise, we would have scored more goals. That's to Emilio's point. And I just want to share this as well before I go over to Max. <laughs> Mitro can hit 40 goals. This is, I, I've heard talk about that. I'd be happy if he hits 30 goals. But okay, fine. You know, We'll see what happens with Mitro. But he is looking like uh, he is up for this, which is excellent. Okay, Max. I always say, is it Mad Max or Optimus, Max? <laughs> Again, I'm going to say the, the latter there, but... You tell me, are you still Optimus Max? Because last season you were Mad, you know, Mad Max, which understandable. I, I can't imagine you're Mad Max today. Yeah, I think you're right there, Ross. Um, the tweet I did after the match, I think, really sums up this dynamic. Okay. Of how just two months ago, Ross, you and I did a show when it looked like Parker would leave, but we wasn't confirmed yet. Right. We had no signings, and the club was adrift. And we very firmly said to the club leadership, things need to change because it looked like after a draining season, it would be another disappointing year. Mm-hmm. And how quickly that mood has changed at Fulham just two months later. Marco Silva's here. We, I think we have the best squad in the championship. Mm-hmm. And the important thing is we're playing like it. Right. It's not really that different than what we had under Parker in 1920, except then we played with a handbrake on. We won every single match essentially by one goal. Mm-hmm. We didn't seem like we were playing like we believed we could you know, sweep away teams. But so far, four matches into this season, we look like we know we're good. And that's an important thing for a team to have that confidence, but also having the manager who lets them play that way, relentlessly attacking. For the past two matches, you could even argue three matches, we've been asking for that third goal cushion. That's right. How rare is that? I mean, I can't remember times of foam supporter when it's like, we're 2 0 up and we're thinking, all right, let's get that third. I mean, it, it just, it's a great position to be in. And it's just brilliant to have that yeah. feeling around the club. I think that's right. due to a lot to Silva. He right. likes us to be on the front foot. He likes us to assert ourselves. And we didn't even get the third goal against Hull. We didn't need to play exceptionally well, but we got the three points. That's right, Max. And back to you, because I'm glad that you talked about the difference being the handbrake. I, I would also say there is a tactical difference. And one of the things that I keep noticing, and I think you're going to agree with me, and unfortunately Tim Ream got hurt, but Alfie Mawson was able to do this mm-hmm. as well. He was able to pick out those passes. Tosin was. They didn't do that under... Parker, they also didn't get to the byline the way that they are under Parker. There is a tactical difference here, and the handbrake is off. They are going for that third goal. That, that's a good point by you. So what are your thoughts about that? Because I, I know we, you know, again, listen, I don't want to keep killing Scott Parker, but I'm not going to lie to you. I, I, I didn't get a little happy when they drew 2-2 to Blackpool. I'm, I'm, I did, <laughs> but, but I want to get your thoughts because I think it's more than just taking the handbrake off, Max. I think there is a tactical difference. I agree. I think, you know, looking back to the whole Parker discussion, what we saw looking back was an inexperienced manager. And in my opinion, it was a manager who didn't quite believe in himself 
to play the free-flowing football that Fulham's capable of playing. And that's understandable. You know, it was his first full-time job, and he wanted to keep it tight, as you guys mentioned, as he played like a player. Get it done, but nothing too fancy. Put in a shift. And that's not what really exemplified Fulham under Parker was putting in a shift. Right. Marco Silva is a very experienced manager. Three Premier League clubs, you know, won the league in Greece. Great success in Portugal. He knows how to handle a team that has much better quality than Fulham. And it's showing. He knows how to attack. He knows how to let a team express themselves. It's also very simple. It's just a quicker style of play. We're getting yep. the ball from defensive attack much mm-hmm. quicker. Not long ball. No, nope, not at all. Passes. And he has the right players for it. As you mentioned, the wingbacks. I think Robinson's really thriving. Tete's look decent. Yep. But also someone like Carvalho, someone like Harry Wilson, Cavalera. These are players who I think are thriving under Silva. And it has to do with that attacking. Yes. Forward-looking play. It's Get a mindset. involved. It's a mindset. Get, yeah, yeah, mindset. Get Mitro even dropping deep. Get Carvalho right. linking up, dribbling. Everyone just seems to be playing with a level of freedom that not only wasn't there in the Premier League last season, wasn't there two seasons ago in the championship. Okay, very good. All right, back over to you, Emilio. I'm going to share some quotes from Marco Silva. Oh, it looks like uh, Emilio had the drop-off. Hopefully, he'll he'll be back with us in a second. Well, I will share, share it with you then, Max, and uh, hopefully we'll see Emilio in just a second. The reason why I wanted to bring Emilio in is because some of his comments that he made to open the show, actually, let's see if we can get Emilio back on. All right, Mel, you're back on. Yeah, that's what happened. There. I just went dead. Just went dead. <laughs> <laughs> okay, not a problem. I, I want to share these uh, two quotes from Marco Silva. I broke it up in the, into two parts here. This is on the Fulham website because I think they epitomize what you just said. And what's interesting about these quotes is that they match you, meaning that they match what the manager is saying is what a fan would say. So I'm gonna I'm gonna read them. This afternoon was not perfect for us, but again, we won the game because we were the best team on the pitch. Here's the other part of the quote. We were dominant, we scored twice, and we had three or four clear chances to score more goals, unquote. Now, that's kind of what you were saying there, Emilio, which, again, I find that different than what we would hear from Parker in the past. You know, kind of on the same wavelength as we see it. He's seeing it somewhere to us. So I want to get your thoughts on how Marco Silva saw the match. Yeah, I think I think it's, you know, we were dominant, especially that second half. You know, Hull had to come at us. You know, they had nothing to lose. 2-0 down away from home against like Max is probably the best squad in the division. They had they didn't offer anything. And we to be honest, we had injuries in the back of our mind. Two key players gone yep. out, you know, for, for for injuries. So, you know, we didn't have to get out of second gear, like I mentioned earlier. And I think I'm not sure we have three or four clear chances to score more goals. I think that maybe that's a bit too bullish to my opinion. I think we we dominated possession. We looked lively, but you know they, they, their keeper wasn't tested as much as they could as he could have been. No, something that's nothing that's so. But overall, you know, I'm not I'm not disappointed about that. The key thing is the clean sheet was important for me. Saying that you know there's all this criticism, maybe we know how to score goals, but under Marcus Silva, he's got a tendency for from conceding at set pieces. So clearly, it's good to get you know get that clean sheet under our belt. Good for the goalkeeper as well because he's he's not come under criticism, but there's a few nerves around the fans, yeah. including myself, around his you know his he. A strategic option is he a better option than um, Rodak for us? So I'm, um, you know, he did, you know, f- you know, flap his lines a bit in the second half. He had nothing to do all game, and suddenly when he was called upon doing something, he, he you know, he, he fluffed it to be honest. So that, that just, you know, the goalkeepers need to stay focused and concentrated. And clearly, he lost, he lost with focus and, and nearly fluffed his lines. But overall, we were dominated. We didn't have to get out of second gear, and sometimes. It's nice to win five six nil, but let's let's be realistic. This is a get. This is a squad that struggled to score more than you know only nine goals in the home all season last year. So it's this this is the, these are the difference in boundaries here. I know we've got different opposition clearly, but right. the fact that we can score goals, we look comfortable, we look dominating, and we, we're dominating games. That's important, you know. But then again, you know, this is it's good to get that momentum at the beginning of the season. I think this is our best start. Since the Tigana year, so yeah, it's fantastic. We know what happened that season as well, so fingers crossed we could do something similar this year. But it's take each game as it comes, protect your squad. I think we may need to look at reinforcements. Obviously, we've got a few injuries. Transfer window closes very soon, so but overall, you know, the Khans have made a so far so you know very good, wise selection for their manager. I think so as well, Emilio. And over to you, Max. You know, again, the reason why I want to bring up these quotes because when I read them and then I heard, obviously, what Emilio said, it it kind of rang true for me. It almost sounds like what Emilio said, these quotes. So I'm thinking, okay, 
what are your thoughts about what Marco Silva has brought? Also, how he has um, presented himself to the foam supporters in his pressers after the match. Your thoughts on Silva and his thoughts that it was a dominant performance. I, I believe you also said that as well. Yeah, I think so far he's done everything right, in my opinion. Now, granted, it's only four matches in, and we know we still have 42 league matches to go. That's the big caveat for me is that we've seen... Let's see the adversity. Yeah, we've seen championship seasons change so quickly. I mean, yep. let's not forget, and it's Lisa, what, we were probably 12th uh, at Christmas time when we went up in 2018. So not to say that we're going to tank the second half of the season under Silva, but it's still a small sample size. But it is. To date, he's been superb. I think the team selection, apart from the goalkeeper, which people have issues with, it's been <laughs> flawless. I don't really have an issue with it. Okay, He's been given a gr- great squad to work with. Mm-hmm. That's that's for sure. I mean, we haven't even mentioned, you know, Sari and Gisa. These are players who are well above the quality yeah. of the championship. You could maybe add Micho into that. Um, but he's gotten someone like Cavalero, who looked hopeless for large stretches of last season, you know, scored twice at Huddersfield. Looks an exciting player. Niskan Scavano, for the first mm-hmm. time, I, I can remember in recent memory, he's been giving the starting role to begin a season and he's excelling. I mean, he's okay. looking like the best I've ever seen him play, which is something. Um, so I think Silva's, the best thing you can say about him is he's made every single player look a better player than they were perhaps a season, two seasons ago. It's that confidence. You know, we have Boa Morte back at the club. That, That's that right. Has, that has to play. That has to be it. a factor. Too. It's, it's a feel-good factor. And you have the stability of Stork Gray, who's been there through, you know, thick and thin over the past, you know, five years. So okay. I think all I, of those combining, he's creating a very feel-good factor among the club. Mm-hmm. But Silva hasn't done anything wrong, in my opinion, so far. No, and I'm glad that you brought this up because it's a great segue, Max. You did a fantastic job because now we're going to talk about Seri, the emergence of Seri, because you talked about the other players. Because it seems like Silva's getting the most out of, like you said, Cavallaro. We're now talking about Seri and some of these other players that maybe we have not seen. And the question is, is it Silva? Is it the players? Is it a combination of his staff? Everything combined? It's all firing on cylinders. Is it is it the system that he's playing? So let's now talk about, and I'll go to you, Emilio, because because you had a nice back and forth on Twitter mm. when it came to Seri today. So so let's talk about that, and then I'll get Max's thoughts on Seri. Mm-hmm. But I'm glad that Max brought this up because we now have several players that are really shining under under uh, Marco Silva, and Seri's one of them, and everyone pretty much counted up, but you, my friend, you thought that we might see him. You yeah. ended up being right. So let's talk about what you're seeing and the emergence of Seri to be a key player so far, which is crazy to say. It is. It is. And you know, at the end of the day, it was a Huddersfield game a couple of weeks ago. Where before that game, I said, play him. You know, we had the, we had the injuries uh, in central in central in the midfield. I said, you've got these Angis and Seri, you know, worth what, 55, 60 million between them? Play him. They're contracted to play at the club. Get your arms around them, um, Marcus Silva. Give them a pat on the back, a bit of vote of encouragement, and get them to play for the team. Because this player doesn't isn't a bad player overnight. And I think what's no. I'm, I'm trying to assess why why are we seeing the emerging Seri here? And I think a lot of it might be to do with Tom Kearney's not in the squad. We've always talked about Tom Kearney. What's what's his position? What's Seri's position? Remember, we were talking about this three years ago when we got promoted to the Premier League. We haven't got that dilemma at the moment. And I think no disrespect. Maybe we have seen the end of Tom Kerr these days. We don't need him at the moment. You know, we 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 talk about some of these other players, but clearly we're not missing Tom Kearney at the moment. And Look at all the players that have not been available yet. Yeah, no, you know, some of the people are saying it's an easier division, but I don't, you know, I don't care if it's an easier division or not. Seri is there; he's contracted to play for the club. He's he's obviously feeling confident. He's obviously getting a boost from the manager. The team is winning. All of these factors are, are you know, he's able to, you know. You know, put his authority on the game. You can see just just simple, just anticipating the play, breaking up the play. He's not necessarily the quickest player in the world, but right. he's he, he he's very intelligent, and I think that's the key. That we haven't seen enough of that in his career at Fulham, and now he's obviously got a bit more freedom, and that's the key thing. He's got that freedom yep. of the centre midfield. His set pieces a lot more encouraging oh. than what we've seen from other players. And obviously, he got the assist on Saturday as well. For me, he was man of the match, but we'll talk about that later. Yep. But overall, it just. Having somebody there who can protect your protect your back four with a with a lot of Premier League class, albeit he hasn't shown it for Fulham, he, these players don't become bad overnight. Clearly, he's in the right setup, right formation. The team is winning. They're scoring goals, and you and and think that the Tom Kearney dilemma is not there at the moment. We've how many That's times have we talked about Loftus Cheek or Kearney? 
Kerry <laughs> or Kearney, there's never a Kearney situation where he dom- he has total authority of that of that central midfield. It was always a dilemma with Tom. And we're Kearney. still missing Harrison Reed, Emilio. Think about that as well. Yeah, and we are. And to be honest, in a weird way, we're missing his sort of assertiveness at times because he's obviously physically stronger. You know, running around like a headless chicken at times, but. What we see with Seri is more calm, composed. The way he just moves the ball around s- simply and effectively. And that's that's what's key. Sometimes it's not all about running around like a headless chicken. It's about quality when it counts. And that's what you're controlling the play. It's just, it's, it's, it's beautiful to watch. But yep. can he continue this? Blackpool away, Preston North End away in the wintertime. Let's see. But it's three games he's played and he's got two man of the matches from me of that. And that's, that's saying a lot. But I think that we should focus on the, the Tom Kenny dilemma there. We haven't got that problem at the moment. I think that's that's a good point. We haven't that's got that a, to worry about, and we're not missing him. That's a good point. Over to you, Max. I want to get your thoughts on what Emilio just shared about Surrey and also the fact that Tom Kenny's been out and the train keeps going along without him. And, uh, you know, and Surrey's been doing a fantastic job. And uh, I'll share this one more time. And, yes, I agree, Alan. It is an easier division. But he was a quality player before he came to Fulham. I believe it was the Man City match where everything just went downhill from that point on. And, but he does have quality. And I want to give Silva himself and the staff credit for getting that quality out, regardless of the, of the division, Max. So I want to get your thoughts on what Emilio shared. Also, the fact that we don't have Kearney and he's thriving. The, the one criticism that I would have, and I think you're going to agree with me, is that sometimes he gets caught by hanging on the ball too much and and players are just coming after him and, and taking the ball mm. off him. He's a little nonchalant would be the best way I, mm. I could say it. It's happened a few times. It actually happened in the Premier League, but it's now happening in the championship. He just needs to be a little bit sharper and not so nonchalant. Would you agree with me on that? I agree. You know, I have a very long history with Sarri. I was one of his biggest critics uh, <laughs> back in the Premier League season. But I don't think it's surprising that someone who I think we know has the quality to play at the top level of European football is doing well in the championship. You know, that's just on the face of it makes sense. Like he's, he's far too good for this league in terms of his technical ability. Sure. The issue with Sarri, as you mentioned very astutely, Ross, is that he didn't fit well in the Premier League because he had no time on the ball. That's right. He'd be pressed, he'd be harried, he'd be put outside of his comfort zone. He couldn't get into his little metronome passing. The championship, although you know we see it as a tougher division in many ways it is, you do have more time on the ball. Teams aren't pressing you 90 minutes like they're in the Prem. So I think for that, that's worked really great in Sarri's um, favor. I do want to give him massive credit for playing in the championship. I never once in my life expected Sarri to ever lace up his boots in the second division. I agree. I didn't, I didn't expect it either. He didn't stick around um, you know, back in 1920 and Parker didn't think he was good enough or, you know, didn't think he was necessary last season in the, in the Premier League. So I really thought his film feature was done. So I think credit to Silva for convincing him to stay. Also credit to Sarri because I think he sees himself as above this league because he is, but he's still done a shift. Um, yeah. I'm not going to go out and wax lyrical about it. I know Amelia said his man of the match. I'm not sure if I agree. He's doing a good job. He's not doing something too insane. He's kind of passing the ball about, but we need someone like that, I think, in, mm-hmm. in this team. Um, and for that, I really, again, I can't believe he's playing for us in, against teams like Huddersfield, yeah. you know, Borough, mm-hmm. Millwall. But he, he's done it, um, and, and credit to him. Okay, and I want to get your thoughts on what Emilio said about, you know, and again, what we really haven't talked about it that much, Tom Kearney not being available. And yeah. Fulham are still functioning very well without him. And I love Tom Kearney, and I, I would like to see Tom Kearney play a part I'm starting to get a little bit concerned if fitness will allow him to, if the injuries have really caught up to him. But, and I'm going to say this, and mm-hmm. I, and again, I don't want to say this. I think Fulham can deal much better now without him than in years past. Yeah. Would you agree it, with that, Max? It's true. Uh, I love Kearney, you know, club legend, servant of the club. No, yeah. One of our, if not the longest serving player, definitely up there with Reem, mm-hmm. I think. He, I think he's done at this level. Um you know, Paul in the comments on Facebook said his time's up at Fulham. I think his time's up might be in his whole career. The injuries, it's so sad. It's taken away yeah, the candy mm-hmm. we love. Don't know when he'll ever. I, I don't even know if he's training right now. He might be training, but I can't imagine seeing him in a match with the knee issues he's had. And you guys are 100% right. We don't need him. Uh, there wasn't a massive carry golf, but even if he is in the squad, mm-hmm. I think Carvalho is a much more exciting mobile player mm-hmm. yeah. in this moment. 
you're not going to bench Carvalho. And then the other seven <laughs> midfielder spots, you have Anima, Seri, and Gisa. I do expect Anguissa to move on, but yeah, I just a lot, too. a lot of depth in that position. It's crazy. So I, I think Kearney could definitely take a coaching route. Um, I know it's a bit premature to say he's he's not right. retired yet, but I, I can't see him necessarily being a, an effective player in this team. And okay. I think that's a credit to uh, to the to the depth we have that we can say that. It's crazy, Max, because uh, I was really concerned that we would not have Tom Kearney from the beginning of the season, mm-hmm. and. To Marco Silva's credit, like I said, the players and and obviously Balmerte and the rest of the staff, they have built aside a system that has worked without him. And, you know, I think in years past, we've really depended a lot on Tom Kearney. And uh, they can function without him. I would rather them have him, but they're doing great right now. And I think that they can win without him. And that's, again, not something I want to say, but I think that's the reality, that Fulham can now play without Tom Kearney and uh, I I do hope he returns, and only time will tell. But I th- I think it's a good point for Emilio to bring that up, and we're all talking about it because it's funny because I I you know we really haven't talked about Kearney, and I think that's a credit to Fulham mm-hmm. that that we haven't because the train really has moved on without him. All right, let's move on. Back over to you, Emilio. I, I haven't done this uh, topic in a while. Turning point of the match. Where do you see the turning point? <laughs> Interesting. Um, was there a turning point, really, to be honest? Was there was a turning it... point of the match? I don't think there was one, to be honest. At the end of the day, I thought it was fairly even Stevens the first time. Again, we were looking very, you know, Robinson, I was quite critical of him after the Borough game. I thought You he were. Was, you know, but he's pulled up his socks since then. He's had, he's had some good performances. He had a hell of a lot of space down the left end. He looked always very lively, good couple crosses, which almost resulted in an anonymous goal, I remember, early on in the, in the first half. But again, he just he, that's when Fulham were looking quite productive on the left-hand side. But I'm not sure there is a turning point because it was just, the game was sort of even Stevens at that point. Hull started getting a little bit into the game. They started having a bit more possession, you know, causing a few niggly little fouls and all that. And then suddenly we, turning point is probably the, the goal. You know, at the end of the day, set, you know, when do we ever score from a set piece from a corner? <laughs> you know, it's unheard of. So it's the fact that Mitrovic, you know, jumped up and, you know, scored from a, a very well-crafted corner from Serra again. Seri, I know we, we, there's been some people are still a little bit skeptical on the, on the comments board this evening, but I agree with Max. You know, he, he's a player who deserves to be playing at the high league, but he's got to he's got to he's got to pull up his socks and prove that he he's willing to play when the chips are down. And when when there's confidence in the team, you saw that. You know, great good corner, Mitrovic just rised above it, one nil. Thank you very much. For me, that was a turning point because at that point we started brightly, but then Hull slowly got back into the into the mix. And again, they were quite niggly the whole game, weren't they? They weren't pretty to watch and. But overall, I think for me, that's a turning point. It will be, it's not a massive turning point. I think it was only going to be a matter of time before Fulham scored. And thankfully, we did get the goal early on. And then, but it's just a shame that we had a few injuries um, to contend with in the game. Okay, very good. How about you, Max? Would you say it's the first goal? That's I'm actually going to say it's the second goal because I think that okay. 2 lead killed it off. I really could have envisioned a match where we're up 1 0, much like Burrow, and the final 10 minutes come and they get a late equalizer because we couldn't get that insurance goal. So I think the Carvalho goal probably ended the contest for me. And you're 2-0 up like half an hour in. I think that was game over there. Okay, very good. All right. Back over to you, Emilio. I'm going to share this comment from Stefan, someone that that watches the show on a regular basis. Robinson's still not a complete player for me, still can develop more. Your thoughts? Yeah, I totally agree. But what's he got in his sight? He's got age. He's He's still young. He's enthusiastic. He's got pace. He'll get better. To be honest, I thought he was brought into the Premier League maybe a bit too early, but he's certainly still. You know, people might disagree with me, but I still prefer him to Joe Bryan in defence. Sorry, you know, there's you know, hunt, you know, there'll be there'll be moments against Borough that I thought you know Robinson didn't put in the shift and looked quite weak, and maybe you could have argued Joe Bryan may have got a chance against Huddersfield, but you know, Marcus Silver stuck with uh, Robinson, persevered, and look, he's had three good performances since then. But you know, overall, head to head. If both players were at their best, I still want I still want Robinson ahead of Joe Bryan. You know that I've never been a Joe <laughs> Bryan fan. So um, overall, yeah, he's young, so he's upside there. So hopefully, if, if we get promoted, he will learn from last season and, and will mature and become a lot more of a, a, a more a more important player for us next season if we get promoted. Okay, excellent. All right, before we go to this, getting your thoughts on the starting eleven, there's a topic, a major talking point for us guys. Mm. Fulham's injuries pile up. Three injuries in, in this match, and these are significant mm-hmm. players. We're talking Tim Ream goes on. And listen, I didn't want Tim Ream to start, but I think Tim Ream's been excellent. Mm-hmm. So credit to him, but he goes down with an injury. Then Kenny Tete, 
goes down with an injury. And then Fabio Carvalho goes off as well with an injury. Max, I'll, I'll go to you first. How concerned are you about these three injuries? We'll, we'll talk about them individually in just a bit when we break down the match. But just overall, your thoughts on the injuries? I think the most concerning one of them on the face of it is Carvalho, just because I think he's the least replaceable of those three, which is mm-hmm. kind of crazy to say. They're all three quality players, but I mean, Carvalho is the most unique. Luckily, it didn't seem that was, I mean, that was probably the least serious of, of the three. The Rim one looked really bad. I mean, he's it a warrior, warrior, and you saw a six-minute delay, struggling to get up, and he wanted to continue. And you know when Reem has to hobble off, can't even really, couldn't even raise his mm-hmm. back upright. That was a real painful one. But, you know, he's been tweeting as he has been in the past couple months. We love that. Love that active Twitter account. And it doesn't seem to be too serious from what he's saying, so that's good. The Tete one, I think that's probably the most worrying, what Silva said in terms of severity. And he's had a bit of... Uh, muscle mm. problems in his time at Fulham, which is he has uh, worrying me. Hopefully, it's not too bad. But again, we saw Decad Overeed slot in really effectively. You know, we also have Christie. Remember him, Dennis Adoy, Steven <laughs> Sessignon. Again, that's the depth there, which we can say um, is impressive. And again, Mawson came in. Farim didn't put a foot wrong. Not at all. Another he kind was... of blast in the past. I know it's um, crazy. And again, we have Congolo. I still think we have uh, Michael Hector. We haven't mentioned his name yeah, in a true. long time, but yeah. Hector's still there. Uh, Terrence Congola figure. Isn't it crazy? We can just mention all of these names that, that are at their disposal right now, Max. It's crazy. It it is mad. Um, but that's the good thing about having such a strong squad. And I think COVID has benefited us in that sense, because teams are all suffering financial uh, repercussions and they can't afford to maybe poach these players and they can't afford their wages. That's a really good point. I think Kamal said in the comments, who's going to pay Sari 70 quid a week. If it's not Galatasaray, you know, not many other options for him, in my opinion. Right. Uh, so we can kind of keep these players on their maybe bloated wages and yeah, have a really good squad. Okay, excellent. Like I said, uh, when we break down the match, we'll, we'll go into a little bit more detail about the injuries, but I just wanted to get your thoughts, Emilio, just in general. The injuries, how concerned are you and which one concerns you the most? I, I agree with Max. For me, it's got to be Kenny Tete. I remember last season, and when I hear muscle injury, I'm like, uh-oh, that's not good. That's not good. No, it isn't. That that does worry me. That's that's the one. He just as he's getting momentum, scoring goals, playing. Oh, actually, the weird thing is, we were talking about him amongst the, amongst the you know the fans around where I said he wasn't really in the game much on Saturday. Let's yep. be honest, up to the point of the goal, and then clearly a bit of bit of quality, bit of talking magic. about Carvalho, right? Yeah. So yep. again, it's just the fact that he was in the right place at the right time, got a good eye for goal, good finisher, scored the second goal. But overall, his overall contribution was quite minimal, to be honest, at that point. Let's be honest, but that's important having that type of player who can come in one chance, bang, one nil, when he scores a goal for you. But that's a worry for me. Yep. The Tete position also worries me. You know, not the fact that Tete, like you said, I agree with you. He's had a couple injuries last season, but that right back position is a bit, we're a bit light there. We've got Dennis who can play on the left. And Joe Bryan and also uh, Robinson. We're a bit light on the right hand side for me. That's that's where I think we've got some problems there because Tete. I don't know what happened there. But literally one moment he was, I just saw him walking behind the back, you know, behind the the, the goal, the opposition goal. It wasn't clear to me that he obviously pulled up and obviously pulled some sort of muscle injury or potentially. I thought initially it was a hamstring. That's what that's what it felt like initially. But overall, I think that's probably an equally position we need to be worried about. Tim Ream, I think, like you said, it's not too bad as it seems. But he's been a great captain on the pitch, hasn't he? The last three or four games, you know, we've, that we've missed that leadership in the Premier League. We just didn't have that last season. And now I've got Tim Ream, yet, albeit not a Premier League player, but he gives you 100% passion week in, week out. And having some of that quality captaining the team is important. But I think the Tete, the Tete injury is also important for me. I think we need, probably need to think about getting potentially a replacement there. In my okay. I think we're, we're light on the right back side of things. Okay. Very interesting stuff there, Amelia. All right. Let's now... 26. It's it's just this is in my loft room. This is my wife's. <laughs> it's uh this used to be her studio, and it's not, like, <laughs> it's not as low as you think. Look, it's quite it's quite it's not as low as you think, guys. It's just uh it's it's pages from a thesaurus dictionary. So yeah, she uses this as an art room, so it's all glued to the ceiling. So okay, yeah, plenty of headroom here. So look, we'll see. <laughs> we were talking about that before we started the show because Emilio's been getting some comments about yeah. <laughs> uh, about what, where he does the show. And thank you, Emilio, for, for explaining that. Okay, let's now get to starting 11. Max, I'll, I'll give you first shot at this. What were your thoughts about the starting 11 before the match began, uh, an hour before? Now, the one thing that I will say, and we could talk about this, I said this on the little preview show that I did. I, I wanted to see Rodak. 
So I, it's funny because I expected Gazaniga, but I wanted Rodak because this goalkeeper right now doesn't fill me with confidence, Max. And he has shown me nothing in this match either with not much to do to fill me with any more confidence. So that was the one thing that stood out to me. I knew it was going to happen, but I was, I was just hoping that maybe he would make a change to Rodak, and that didn't happen. That's an odd one because what has Rodak done to be dropped? Nothing, right? He was injured supposedly the first couple of matches or yep. maybe preseason, and that's why Gazaniga got the starting role. But it's not – I mean, Rodak hasn't played essentially mm-hmm. since what? The Arsenal opening day of the season – September 2020. So and that's what's always tough with the keepers is you lose your spot and it's very hard to get it back. Right. So, but I, I mean, Gazzanig has been a bit shaky. He didn't deal with a cross very well against Hull. No. I haven't seen anything totally glaring though. I think once he makes a big mistake, then people have a better case. But I mean, I do feel for Rodak, but. But he doesn't really... command his box, Max. He doesn't. Listen, on a scale of Fabry uh, to Areola, <laughs> I think he's squarely in the middle. I'm not saying he's a Fabry okay. disaster, but who knows? Okay. Uh, but the starting 11, right, it was unchanged since Millwall. So overall, yeah. I didn't have any problems with that. Interesting, okay. though, curious your guys' thoughts on this. You know, Angisa back on the bench, Anima starting. If if I'm Marco Silva, and he said it earlier, I think, Angisa, his head was turned, didn't want to play, yep. wanted to get a move. If that's true, then that's true. He shouldn't be in the squad. But if he's in the squad, I don't see why he doesn't start. That's what I don't really understand. Is it, is, That's is an his, interesting yeah. point. Why doesn't Nguisa start? I want to say, what has Seri done not to start? Oh, I'd say take out Anima. Take out Anima. But that's fair. They're not exactly the same. You can't swap them out like for like. But that's a good point. Okay. Okay. Very good. Interesting thoughts there, Max. How about you, Emilio? And uh, feel free to share your thoughts on what Max just shared when we're talking about Nguisa. It, it's an interesting one because, mm-hmm. yeah. because Nguisa – as is a player that should be starting, right? But it's also a very delicate situation with Silva because Silva, you know, came out, you know, basically said he wanted players that, that wanted to be a foam. But on the other side of it, if they're here, you might as well take advantage of him. So he's on the bench, but I want to see Seri starting. It's funny, I can't believe I'm going to say this. I'd rather have Seri starting, but to Max's point, should he be playing with and sitting on him? I don't know. It, it's a It's a good argument. Yeah, I just think if we had Angisa and Seri both in the, in the lineup, I think it would have been quite lightweight in the middle of the park there. I think it's physique, okay. I think, is probably the thing. Having two of those sort of super players, as you want to call them, they haven't been super players for Fulham per se, but these, you know, these players. That we'd are, be exposed too much. Yeah, I think we would have been, to be honest. Hull City, a fairly physical team. They're, they're like roughing it up, and maybe having two of those similar type players, I, don't, I think, would have disrupted the, uh, the, the structure of the team. That's why I think it's put Onima there, a bit more st- stronger, you know, more bullish you know more direct shall we say and you know a bit, a bit more clumsy at times as well but equally he just the back the middle of the pitch looked a bit more balanced without Angisa there and it's not a criticism of Angisa just think yeah. you've got you kind of those two arguably luxury players sitting in the middle of the park together I think in my opinion okay. and don't forget we haven't talked about Harry Wilson you know let's be clear that's right and he's you know he's you know we've spent what 11 12 million on this player so he it, to me, honestly, if he was fit to start the next league game, or he will be available in the next league game against Stoke, I think Cabana will make way. I think, you know, Cabana did okay on Saturday. At times, yep. didn't, didn't influence the game enough for me, and he will be the natural person to have dropped down to the bench, and you'll bring yep. Harry Wilson back in on, on Saturday against Stoke. But, Glenn, let's not forget about Harry Wilson. He's, it's cra- know, it's crazy, Emilio. They're doing this without Harry Wilson. They're yeah. doing this, again, with, with Harrison Reed not being involved. Yeah. Like We're already talking about Kearney. And, oh, by the way, they finally signed Rodrigo Muniz. You're going to add him to the mix as well. Uh, you know, I, again, it's crazy to say how much form have now, as people are pointing out, Angisa could and probably will go, yes. But I think that they're well-equipped to deal with Angisa leaving. Mm-hmm. I, I, You know, um, let me go to you, Max. If you had your choice, and, and we've talked about this, would you keep Angisa or keep Seri? If you had to choose, if you could only – have one of them with us. Which one would you keep right now? Which one do you think is more valuable to form right now? And then I'll ask Emilio if you had to choose between Seri and Angisa. I think it's Angisa for me. Okay, I mean, he, he was an excellent player, one of our best players in the Premier League last season. Yeah, by that logic, he should be one of the best players in the Championship, if not the best player. And I just haven't seen that from Seri consistently. I know we we do have concerns. I think about Seri's physicality, whereas Angisa, yep. I think, there's none of those concerns. 
he's he's a great player in terms of getting his body in the way and muscling off the opposition. I'd love to see Anguissa, yeah. Okay, okay. And Harrison good. Reed, Stefan Singer, still have and, Harrison Reed too. Yep. That's a good point. Absolutely. Emilio, your thoughts on this? Because, uh, again, um, listen, we, we all expect Anguissa to leave. We we do expect that. But I think Fulham can deal with him leaving at this point. And, mm-hmm. uh, you know, if they both left and talking about Seri and Anguissa, I think that would hurt. I think that would actually hurt right now based on what we've seen from Seri. But if you had to choose, if you're, if you're Marco Silva and he's asked which one, you can only keep one of them. Who would you who would you keep? That's it. Interesting dilemma. Both of you know, both <laughs> have both have had their shown their frustrations and both have at times not wanting to play for the club. And that's sometimes that's also due to lack of you know confidence, team not yep. winning, etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. So there's a there's a lot of underlying fan. When you know, look at Mitrovic last season, you know, being dropped, not playing, confidence shot to pieces. Now he's a different player, he's transformed. We're Unbelievable. We've seen Seri transform, but it's only three games against championship opposition. So let's not right. get too carried away. But I agree with Max. I think Hangis, I thought, got a lot of got a lot of stick on Seri last season. I actually thought up till Christmas time, he was our best player. Everyone was talking oh, about I agree. him in the Premier League top in top top you know top you know top eleven players in the Premier League last season up till Christmas. Everyone was he was getting man of the matches from myself, from Max, from others. And then suddenly rumours to have got COVID, and he wasn't the same player in the second half of the season. But let's not let's not forget what he did. He we've seen he can deliver in the Premier League, albeit he did it for half a season. So. But would he be willing to play for Fulham in the championship the entire season? That's the part that, you know, I understand where Max is going, but I don't know what his commitment would be, Max, going back to you on that, if he was forced to play in the championship. That's fair. That's that's a fair point. Um, And the flip side is no one really wants Seri because he hasn't had that track record of Premier League. Uh, experience. So therefore, it's just an interesting little conundrum. But Angisa is in demand. Yeah, Yeah. it's, it's a good one. Um, you know, again, I don't look at the Harrison and Stefan's mentioned about we still have Harrison. I agree with that, but yep. yes, he was a busy little player the first half of the season, looked lively for us. But we saw what Harrison Reed is not capable of doing in the Premier League in the second half of last season when the chips are down. Harrison Reed was left, you know, he was out of his depth. Let's be very clear, he was one of our poorest performers when the, the, the decline, steep decline from February, March time when we won away to Everton and Liverpool, there was a steep decline. Harrison Reed's performance was poor. And he was injured. So I'm, I'm worried about his injury levels as well. We're talking about Tom Kenny's. Fitness yeah. Harrison Reed is what, his third season at Fulham? I've got Ross Cannon, he injuries he's, he's picked up. Yeah, I, I think he's been injured pretty Four much every months, season, right? right? Yeah. yeah. And lengthy periods. He's been out a month here, a month there. So let's, you know, the fact that we're playing well without him, that's encouraging. That's yeah, encouraging. Absolutely. Absolutely. Okay. Very good. All right. Coming up next, we're going to break down this match. We'll look at the first half and the second half. We'll obviously talk about the injuries. And we'll end with man of the match. Feel free to share. Who was your man of the match? Okay, guys, let's break down this match. And let's start. Unfortunately, we're going to start with Tim Ream. Uh, Tim Ream, Mm -hmm. in the first half, you know, Emilio, I'll go to you. Because uh, as you mentioned, it was was pretty even to start off. And I want to give Hal some credit. But the first major situation we have to talk about is Tim Ream. Mm -hmm. Fell on his back. It looked ugly. Yeah. Emilio. So I want to get your thoughts on his injury and what was going through your mind when you saw it. Did you think that this was serious? Because he wasn't, again, as Max said, I think this lasted about five or six minutes. Yeah. And it was right in front of me. You saw the pictures I sent you after the game, yes. you know, literally right in front of me. And you could just see the expression in his face. He was in a lot of pain there. And you can feel it didn't look, it didn't look pretty. And if, you know, Tim Ream normally he's, he's, he's straight up, you know, he's, he doesn't exaggerate. He doesn't feign injury when, you know, when he's on the floor for that length of time, you know, there's something was wrong. And then he sort of recovered. He walked a few steps, uh, you know, on the, on the, on the byline then. And suddenly then he, he, you know, and he just couldn't stand up straight. So clearly I don't know why they just didn't get a stretcher for him. Cause that was, that was my, that was my first reaction. Get a stretch to so take him off and let, don't put, it, put any further pressure. But it looked, it looked ugly to be honest. It looked, but thankfully maybe it's not as bad as we first saw it. And, Maybe that's testament to the strength and courage of Tim Ream. That's you know he's he's been through the wars over his time yep. as a as a football professional. So, uh, but overall, you know that my worry is who's going to slot in that position. I completely forgot about Michael. Okay, Michael Hector wasn't on the Michael bench. Michael Hector, right? This was a player who was our best player in the second half of the promotion season on the park, and now suddenly yeah. he's surplus to requirements to, to some extent. Um, we might see him tomorrow against Birmingham. Alfie Mawson, you know. You know, I don't think he did much wrong. He didn't have he didn't have much to do. Let's be honest, he wasn't under. But then it's important just to find your feet, 
get get you know get your fitness levels up get into a rhythm of playing football and and you know it, you know putting yourself you know in in that back in that back four with Tosin but you know Mawson how much did we pay for him 15 20 million a few seasons ago yeah. so it's uh we forget about him but he's is again if he can stay fit and free from injury then potentially he can play an important part for us him or Hector look at them head to head you know he didn't get a chance a couple of years ago Hector we signed him you know, very promising player, but look, you saw how much out of his depth he was in the Premier League, and right. really now he's got to he's got to fight for his place. Was Morrison's slotted in, maybe taking his opportunity, and you know he didn't put a foot wrong in that game. Not at all, uh, Emilio, because again, I didn't notice any drop off, and that, right. and that is a testament to to Moss. And I I saw the same types of passes you would see with Tim Ream, and again, he was great in the air. You know, mm-hmm. again, he was challenging everything. I thought he was fantastic. So. Mm-hmm. So credit to him taking advantage of his opportunity. All these players mm, taking yeah. advantage of their opportunities. That's what we really need to focus on. And, uh, you know, again, I don't want this to be a Marco Silva love fest, but why are all these players all of a sudden with a different <laughs> manager all- performing? And here's another one. You, you know, again, this might be a situation with, with a player taking advantage of his opportunity in Mawson. But over to you, Max. Shortly after that, after after Mawson comes on, we have the goal. So I'm going to give you the honors of talking about the goal from Mitro in the 22nd minute. This is from a corner. Now, what's interesting, and I know you've seen the replay of it, looks like there was uh, some action going on to free Mitro here. So what are your thoughts about all this? Because I, I think the Hull City supporters were a little bit angry about a, a potential foul here that set up Mitro for the goal. Your thoughts, you know, again, listen, we'll take it. It's a goal. And it was, it was uh, very well set up by John Michael Sarri on the corner. Yes. And I think Tosin, it's a funny one. He doesn't move, but he does shift his, his shoulders. So he's kind of facing the player. So it was yep. a bit of a pick. Um, yes. That went right that was, into him. It that was, that would be a good of, way. It was like yeah. a pick, like but a pick in basketball. I, I don't <laughs> think it's it's a foul because simply Tosin doesn't you know go out of his way to, to no. get in his way. No. He just kind of turns up, oh, you're there, and he runs right into them. In in that sense, maybe it's a good movement by Mitro. Uh, but uh, <laughs> right. it's, it's an excellent ball from Sari, something that we haven't seen a lot from him. I can't remember how many set pieces he swung and then just gone well over uh, our attacks. That was a great ball. But Mitro, that's a great header because although yeah. it's a free header, he directs it perfectly and off the post. And it's a tight angle. Um, mm. And I think a lot of players, you know, might have headed that right to the keeper, but terrific goal. And the celebrations might have been the best part. You have Sari jumping on Mitro, you know, doing his signature celebration. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, Cabano gets involved. The whole team gathers over there um, by the cottage. It's, it's amazing that that kind of team morale from one player, Mitrovic, they're, who wants to They're the playing for each other. Yeah, mm. playing with other one player, Sari, who we never thought would play in the championship. That's the amazing one, and and they all look like having a great time, and that's what winning does to a team. So love exactly, mm. I, to- I totally agree with that. All right, back over to you, Emilio. We talked about. I, I don't mean to be doing this, but I'm giving you the injuries. I I, I really don't mean to do it, <laughs> but I, I want to get your thoughts about this because again, I didn't. I don't think me and Max got any view of no. this. So hopefully, you got to see when did. Kenny Tete go off injured because we certainly didn't see it. And what did you see here? Did, were you able to see this? No, it was literally on the other diagonal, the other side of the pitch. All I could see, the only time it was obvious is when he was walking back towards the dressing room. I think, okay, what's going on here? It's just it's clearly, I, I didn't see any incident on that side of the pitch. I, think, I thought initially when it was probably a hamstring, I thought that's the only thing it could yep. have been, something muscle-related or hamstring injury. So it's, but I didn't see any innocuous foul there. I didn't see him fall over. I think he just pulled something. That's what it. That's what it felt like. Yeah. And the way he was like really walking extremely slowly back to the dressing room behind the the opposition goal. That clearly obviously felt it was going to be at least a month to six week injury, from what I could tell. Okay, very good. All right. He so, wasn't really much in the game though. I didn't see him. Yeah, he was involved. He was very quiet up to that point. I saw it was all all the running and all the width came from on the left-hand side from Robinson, where he was getting ahead yeah. of a lot of space. And obviously he got the assist for the second goal, which we'll talk about in a moment. Yeah, we, we absolutely will. And I want to get your thoughts to follow up on that. Bobby decadover Reed mm-hmm. comes in to take his place. How do you think he did in in place of Tete? Steady, you know, steady. He did okay. You know, again, he, we've seen his versatility in the Premier League last season, you know, um, Scott Parker playing him in various positions. So, Naturally, that was a, the most automatic choice um, to replace Tete with. 
he did okay. He didn't, again, he didn't have much to do. You know, this was a poor Hull team and, you know, maybe against better opposition, maybe he might, he might come a little bit more unstuck, but, you know, he did, he did, a, he did a safe job without, without setting, without, without setting the world alight, to be honest. Okay. All right. Excellent. All right, Max, over to you. I'm giving you the honors again. I'm sorry, Emilio. I'm giving him the honors to talk about Fabio Carvalho's goal. Again, just uh, the kid is special. Can we just say it? I I think it's fair to say he's special. He scores another goal. And uh, as you said, this is your turning point. And I can see your point on this because at 2-0, it's it's a different game than 1-0. So thoughts on the goal? Yeah, started off by, again, some we've mentioned a lot today, Anthony Robinson on the yeah. left wing back role. Actually, Cavalero is the one who plays Robinson the through ball, and that shows mm. you how far forward Robinson was because it was almost like Cavalero is playing left back role and Robinson's mm. the left winger. And it's a decent ball uh, past a couple of players into Carvalho. And I don't, a lot of people said his touch was heavy. That's what Gentleman Jim said yes. on the audio. But I don't think it was actually because it took a deflection. And I don't think Carvalho knew too much about that first touch at all. But what was impressive is how quickly he got onto it. And yeah. it was fortunate in the way that the touch brought the keeper out of his goal. In a way, if he just controlled it right at his feet, the keeper would have probably stayed home and gives Carvalho that chance just to slot it right into the, the same corner Mitra scored in. And it was a great finish because you have a center back diving into it. You have a keeper making himself big. And he just kind of coolly sides foot it uh, to make it 2-0. That is the kind of thing you can't teach in a player, and which no. is why people comparing him to Cessignon in terms of his finishing and his you know tenacious quality in the box. But for me, he's a better player than Cessignon ever was um, because really? Carvalho takes over matches. And Cessignon, as great as Cessignon was, as much as I wow. love Ryan Cessignon, he would be peripheral than Scott. Wow, we're going there already. <laughs> well, well, listen, Emilio made a good point, which Carvalho was a bit <laughs> peripheral until the goal. But the Millwall match, to me, was his best match in the sense yeah. he ran yeah. the show. Played okay. through balls, gets in the ball, dribbles, takes people on. That's why he's so valuable. And, you know, he won't be with us forever. We just got to cherish him while he's here. Okay, excellent. All right. So, guys, the half ends 2-0 and full more comfortable. But, Emilio, I'm going to go back to you to begin the second half. And, again, I think this is a testament. To, you just talked about Anthony Robinson. You've been critical, but I thought he played very well. He could be many fans' man of the match. How, the Hull City manager makes a change at halftime – and what I've been reading, it was it had to do with Robinson. Yeah. This is a this is credit to Anthony Robinson. Let's talk about this because this talks about how well he did in the especially in the first half. Yeah, absolutely. And again, that you you barely saw Robinson cross the halfway line in the second half. But I also think it was tactics on our side as well. I thought you know with two injuries in the first half. Yep. And you you know why stretch yourself? Why go and score third, fourth, fifth goal? As much as it's beautiful to see, take your time. You you, you aren't being pressed. You aren't under any pressure against this whole city team. Why take unnecessary risks? That's why you know we played it with a lot of possession in the second half. But we, yep. you know, we could have been we, on another day. We could have been more threatening. But I clearly understand with two injuries to be worried about. That's the reason why. Said, let's not let's not stretch ourselves if we don't have to. Which is why it's it's in, it's all testament to the Fulham team with two 0 up, two injuries. Yet we still could play in second gear and not be threatened. The keeper had one thing to do in the second half, and like I said, he fluffed across, didn't he? When you know he could, you know. <laughs> Another day we could have got caught out there. But overall, yeah, I agree. The whole manager made a tactical change in the second half. Robinson was pushed back, but yep. we didn't need him to push forward. We didn't need him to exert himself. You know, we were 2 0 up, very comfortable, under no pressure whatsoever. And you know, the, the, where it was disappointing for me is maybe Cabano. You know, again, I'm you know, as much to Cabano's in play in and out of the squad and uh, over this time at Fulham and he, I don't think he took his opportunity enough in, for me in this game. I think he that's why I think Carvalho and Cabana didn't particularly link up well yet on the, on Saturday. When Wilson comes in and Carvalho's there, I think there's a there's a better rapport, better link up play. There's a bit more quality consistently, and that's probably what we'll see when um <laughs> when Wilson is back. But hopefully Carvalho won't be out for long term. But like I've said before, silver tactics second half. Don't yep. go don't go score five or six, just protect the lead. Try to get a third goal. But don't 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 put yourself under necessary pressure because you're going to win this game. Okay, excellent. So as we talk about the second half, and we'll get more of your analysis in a second, Emilio. I think you already nailed it. But again, I've had you talk about two injuries, so I have to have Max talk about third. <laughs> Max, let's talk about the injury to Fabio Carvalho. Mm-hmm. It's been reported that it potentially was an ankle injury. Thoughts on this? And it's funny because. Uh, 
it's a player that that again, uh, I don't think Fulham really can afford to lose right now. I can't, we were going to say that, even with Harry Wilson coming back shortly, you want to see this this uh, kid play as much as possible. But uh, we'll have to see how severe it is. What were your thoughts when you saw this? Yeah, I mean, he's just been kicked, you know, all match, same in all the other games played this year. He's a target. Mm. it's what happens in the championship it's unfortunate but he has to get used to it and i think actually to his credit did a really good job of bouncing up from past you know knocks he's gotten from the opposition this obviously i think might have been the final nail in the coffin forced him off but it didn't seem like it was that serious thankfully i mean he walked off relatively fine but he i hate to say he has to toughen up because the player shouldn't necessarily be forced to just be kicked you know, for 90 minutes, almost like Jack Grealish sometimes does. But I think he, just, he has to develop the know-how of, you know, how to ride those tackles. Um, you know, almost like, you know, Hazard does a good job of that. Just right. constantly foul up, you get back up. Uh, hopefully, no one, the referee protects him. That's a big thing. Give sure. people bookings and make sure that it doesn't get out of hand. Okay. All right. And on that I, point, though, there's one thing we haven't mentioned yep. so far, if I may. It's, it's the tactics of whole city throughout the game. These niggling fouls, this, this theatrical f- diving on the floor, constantly back chatting to the ref. I thought, especially in that second half, as much as we were dominant, yep. every decision went against Fulham throughout the whole of that second half. You know, we get a we get a yellow card for an innocuous challenge. The whole said they do two of the same, no yellow card. So the referee absolutely appalling on Saturday, especially in that second half. That's a good point. He lost control of the game completely. Didn't know what was going on, and you know, I'd argue some of the niggling fouls that were going on. If you're in the ground watching. Does he think off the field, off the off the ball remarks, comments, back chatting to the referee all throughout the game? They did that, and that really disrupted the flow of the game. Yet we still came away with a two 0 win. So right. that's why I feel it, it wasn't our most refined performance you'll ever see. But we didn't need to. We got the two goals. We looked controlling. Yet we had to deal with a whole city team that were constantly niggly fouls and back chatting to the referee throughout throughout the whole game. See, but. But Amelia, they needed to do that because they're not talented enough yeah, to play exactly. it, to play yeah. it straight up against Fulham. They, yeah. you know, and that again is a testament to Fulham yeah. that they need to do that. In a little foul from corner, then there was one moment in the second. Yeah, like, we got we got yellow card. Was it Cavalera? I remember we got yellow carded in the second half from a corner. Yeah. And that, you know, right in front of me, nothing wrong with that. And you, yeah, basically, the guy went into Cavalero. Cavalera wasn't even looking at the player. Then girl comes over with a yellow card, all because of the whole city plays back chatting to the referee. Now that's what got hit, got Cav the the yellow card. So it's it's you know that's like you said, Ross. Maybe that's what they, that's the best they can do. They have to resort yeah. to cheap tactics. But it, the way they just kept, you know, that, that that those tactics were not good enough for me. It was, it was quite appalling, to be honest. Okay, all right, Emilio. Just quickly on just your overall thoughts. You've already talked a little bit about the second half. Just a professional see the match out performance. Yeah, exactly. I'd like to see Mitrovic maybe should have scored a third goal. I thought that was a peach of a cross. He did. You've got to hit, you've got to hit the yeah, target. Yeah, a great there. opportunity. You've got to hit the target. That's one of, obviously, Silver making the point we should have scored a few more. I'm not sure we should have scored a few more, but that was probably the best chance in the second half. You know, you know, great header, but you've got to hit the target there. So, but some people are commenting, well, if we're if we're behind, how will this team yep. themselves Here's up? The, yep. you know, can we fight back? Like Stefan says, We've yet to see that, to be honest, but we know we've got goals in this team. We've got yep. hunger. We've got desire. We're going to go through a few downs, no doubt, this season. So, yeah, it'll be interesting to see how we do before. I think we've got enough depth there, enough quality. And look at our bench. You know, theoretically, look at the quality of our yep. bench on Saturday. It's incredible. The fact that you've got Nguisa, 25, 30 million pound player on the bench. It's crazy. A second tier team. That's It's incredible. It really, it really is. Uh, Max, I'll give you the final word on, on the second half, and then we're going to go to man of the match. I think Emilio touched on it the best. It devolved a bit into bookings and the kind of needless fights, and the referee kind of lost mm. control, which wasn't great to watch, you know, from a fan's perspective. But we're two 0 up, and we could afford to, you know, have all those histrionics going on, and we weren't okay. bothered. And that's what's the benefit of you know getting that two goal cushion. Okay, excellent. All right. All right, guys, let's go to the man of the match. If you are watching live, feel free to share who your man of the match was. And I know I've got some comments. I'll share that in a, in a second. But uh, I'll go to you first, Max. Who is your man of the match? I'm going to go Anthony Robinson. You know, got set up that Carvalho goal, mm-hmm. was dangerous all match, deserved another assist for the Mitro header in the second half. Really delighted with, with his play in general. And he was he was showed a great um, progression. From the Middlesbrough opening match, so hmm. give it to Robinson. 
Okay. Emilio, sorry for you? Yeah, sorry for me. Robinson, I had a close second. But I thought, sorry, yeah, I agree with you also, Russ, where maybe at times a little bit too complacent on the ball and got caught yep. out a few times. But, you know, he looked dangerous from set pieces, from corners. He kept the ball, he kept the game moving. He kept looking forward. And you just see his body language as well. You see the body language from a couple of seasons ago, very down, uninterested. He was, you know, he was giving some, you know, some basic advice and some, you know, just, just, just little chats to some of yeah. his players. Direction here, move over there, passing the ball. It's just, it's keeping that ball flowing was important against a team like Hull City. You don't want to constantly get fouled, start, foul, start. You actually want to keep the possession going. And just the way he was just passing the ball, spreading the ball from left to right, right to left, was a pure joy to watch. Again, albeit it says a poor Hull City team, but you've yep. still got to perform on the pitch. And again, you know, at times the conditions weren't great on Saturday. Whip windy, rainy, yep. then it was dry, then it started raining again. So these are conditions maybe Seri wouldn't like to play under, but clearly in the rain, he performed well on Saturday. And I'll, I'll give him my man in the match because he kept the game flowing for me. Okay. And Robinson had a good first half, you know, was he the best in the first half. Second half, quieter. But didn't he need to be put on? He didn't need to exert himself that second half. He just he could choose his moments. Okay, very good. I'm going to share some comments before I share mine. Boston was my man of the match. Came in and did a job, and I totally agree with that. Uh, no drop off at all. Anthony Robinson for our friend here. Let's see, Robinson, my man of the match, much maligned. Okay, let's see what else we got, guys, and then uh, we'll we'll finish up. Let's see what we got here, Robinson. Stefan says, sorry, that's going to do it for man of the match. I'll share mine and I'm going to agree and I'm going to go say sorry. But as we're talking about it, my only concern with sorry is sometimes, you know, again, that was a fair attitude where he, you know, he's got to be careful. Even in the championship, he's got to be careful that someone's going to come from behind and take the ball off of him. But beyond that, he controlled the match. So he's my man of the match. Okay. All right, good stuff, guys. To wrap this up, let's talk about the Carabao Cup. Let's talk about the Carabao Cup. Real quick on the Carabao Cup, Max is smiling. I'll, I'll give you first thoughts on this. Max, what do you think we're going to see in the Carabao Cup? What kind of team do you think we're going to see in the Carabao Cup for full? And also, how much do you care about the Carabao Cup? <laughs> well, it's the most prestigious uh, competition in the world, <laughs> so I think we should play our starters, and we, we need to win it this year. It's it's a must-have, bigger than promotion. Um, no. It's a shame that Kamara's left because he loves a good Carabao Cup uh, run out. Mm. It's his classic competition. Um, I, th- I think hopefully we'll see some youngsters. Hopefully we'll see uh, Francois play in midfield. Maybe Cyrus Christie will play right back. Maybe Rodak plays and you know puts another yeah. great performance and makes a bid. Uh, Hector, people have mentioned. It'll be nice mm. to kind of see the the peripheral figures, Joe Bryan as yep. well. And again, it's against Birmingham, so you know same oh, same league. Not an exciting match, in my opinion, um, but just hoping no one really gets injured and maybe some fringe players can uh, put in a good shift and maybe get the start Saturday. Okay. How about you, Emilio? Yeah, you know, always like, I always like a cup run, you know, to be honest. You don't want the compromise of relegation, staying in the Premier League or getting promoted. But, you know, we've got enough depth in this squad to be able to give, you know, Birmingham a run for their money and win there yeah. tomorrow. Like to see, obviously, Rodak will start tomorrow. That's Oh, absolutely. Without sorry. I think Hector will start because obviously if Reem's injured, then who's our backup central defence? So Mawson will probably start against Stoke. And then so you'd expect Hector to, to get to the bench. So clearly Hector will need some, some game time tomorrow. I, I suspect Joe Bryan will play tomorrow. Again, give him give him an opportunity. You're probably going to see a, a completely new back four tomorrow, to be honest. So, but, you know, I like I don't want to change the entire team. Let's not, you know, keep one cup, second team and yep. and the first team. I think let's, let's play some of these plays. And there's, but it's all about practice and confidence. But if we, we could go to Birmingham and win this game, but don't be surprised we end up disappointed and get knocked out of the cup. And that's just my slight gut feeling. But I'd like, I'd like to see us go on a cup run and go to the final, go to Wembley, you know, whether we win or lose. It's something to play for, to be honest. But I think at the moment it's all about playing for places, isn't it? Especially we've got yep. a few injuries now. Okay, very good. I, I want to share a couple, couple more here. And this is our friend Roger Lewis, by the way. I'm Roger Lewis on Facebook and Grand Dag on uh, uh, Friends of Foam. So just want to mention that, Roger. Hope everything is hey, going Roger. well for you. Uh, I want to share this from Steve Reynolds because I've tried to get Steve Reynolds to watch Ted Lasso. So <laughs> so I just want to what side would wake or Ted Lasso play. Very funny, Steve. Enjoy the show. I love the show. 
Max, I know you do too because you you've been tweeting about it too. So I'm a big Ted Lasso fan. It's a it's a great show. If you have not watched it, before we go, I, I also want to mention this. Uh, please do please do uh, uh, subscribe on YouTube to our YouTube channel. Please do so. Again, we, we're starting to build that up. We are now live on the Cottage Talk Facebook page, Cottage Talk Twitter page, first time, and of course on YouTube. So, but please do subscribe to our YouTube channel. All right. Well, guys, that's going to do it for this episode of Cottage Talk. It's been great. Emilio, final thoughts before we go. No, great, great to have be back on the show, be with you, Max, as well. So we always yeah. have a good camaraderie oh, as well. Oh, it's great. So it's great, great rapport, the three of us. Yeah, but it's always it always helps when you win, isn't it? It always helps when the team's <laughs> performing. You get a bit turned about, but there'll be times you'll see how we perform. When it's good to see the chips. Sometimes we weren't playing at our best, yet we still can come away. And disappointed only to win 2-0. That's 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 pretty good, man. That's pretty good. Encouraging sign, but it's early yeah. days yet. Let's not get carried All we can do is keep winning and the, the rest will talk, you know, with the let the let the performances do the talking for the rest of the season. You know, that's the way I look at it. Okay, excellent. Max, I know it's good to talk about other things right now for you. Talk a little full. So keep your mind <laughs> off of everything else going on for you. Max is uh as a top-notch political reporter. So now, instead of talking about that for a little bit, he gets to talk about phone. Get off that for a little bit. So, <laughs> yeah, th- thanks, Ross. Um, yeah, I'm just gonna say we've mentioned it the entire podcast, but we're top of the league. So I can't top remember last time we were top of the league sure. in anything. Um, top so of the league. Let, let's let's savor that um, being number one for once. Okay, very good. All right. Well, listen, great show. Thank you, everyone who's commented, and well, we'll be back soon. For another episode of Cars Talk, but we do have to wrap it up. For Emilio Danella and Max Cohen, I'm Russ Coleman. Thank you, as always, for watching and listening to Cottage Talk. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly teaming up with three for Mental Health Awareness Week this year. Beyond the pitch, beyond the results, we're here to connect fans, getting them to embrace the highs and lows of supporting your club because we're not just fans, we're a team. With two in three football fans having struggled with their mental health, We understand that life off the pitch can present its own challenges. That's why we're committed to ensuring you have the tools to stay connected with your friends and fellow supporters. Take a moment to connect with your mates. A simple text or an open conversation can make a world of difference. And if they don't respond right away, don't hesitate to follow up. Let's all take a moment to talk more than football. It's the 90th minute and all to play for at the end of the match. All your mates are around. You've got your McDougat share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping, and you steal the last nugget, snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. Are you in? I know I'm in. At participating restaurants, 18 plus, serving times, delivery fee, and terms apply. See McDonald's.com. This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans.